Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Appalachian Brewing Company podcast. It's Mike Parker, Artie Pafoya, the brewmaster, joining you here from the third floor studios at the headquarters of Appalachian Brewing Company in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Artie, how's it going? Good, Mike. Uh, just a beautiful day out there. It's getting warm, but, uh, you know, uh, that leads to a lot of good drinking. That's true. The heat of summer is upon us. Uh, we finally got into the consistent, you know, 80 to 85 degree mark here in uh, central Pennsylvania, uh, down here along the, the Susquehanna River Valley. And uh, like you said, and not a bad time to uh, end your day or... Hell, start your day already if you want to with a, with an ice cold Appalachian Brewing Company beer. And uh, so, first question, we'll kick things off. What are you drinking? Uh, I got the hop offering today, Mike, and it's uh, it's uh, it's I just sort of fallen in love with this beer. It's our session IPA, really nice, crisp, easy drinking. I can have a few of them and in, uh, in, in an evening and sort of sit back and enjoy it. Good end of the day beer, and uh, for me, I, it's a great time of year because I, I am a fan of uh, of wheat beers. Uh, you guys have a grapefruit Hefeweizen on tap right now, one of the summer seasonals here at ABC. And uh, uh, take a little sip here. Uh, and, uh, and it's not my first sip, just so you know, so I can speak. It's really good. The grapefruit is very pronounced, yet you still get that signature, you know, hefe yeast that what everybody sort of describes, that sweet, almost bananas like clove you know, flavor that, that, that the yeast creates in, in a Heffy. And uh, and about this beer, this is perfect, but this actually started off, I mean, you guys had the 20th anniversary of the company last year, and you brewed a special, uh, two years ago, 20th anniversary Imperial Grapefruit Heffy, and that was popular, and this sort of this sort of came out of that one. Yeah, you bet. Uh, the the Imperial was uh, was a great beer, but it was strong, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you you get that strong beer going into summer, and and uh, people were pounding a couple down and found themselves a uh, little on the edge there. So uh, what happened was we we took it and moved it down to a to a base heavy uh, strength, sort of rindy grapefruit flavor, along with the banana clove of the heavy. Tastes great. Yeah, it really comes through. And uh, I actually had, had bought a case of the Imperial in bottles because uh, I was such a fan of it. And it was a kind, it was kind of a cool beer to have in the fridge because it was a conversation starter. And like you said, it was also a party starter. <laughs> it was about <laughs> like eight point seven percent or so. But clear bottles, the packaging had a great label with like a frog or something with a, like the artwork was really creative with like a frog and like a crown. I don't know, imperial. It had, you know, the yeast settled at the bottom of, you know, as as in many beers, but it being in a clear bottle and being a production beer that you guys ran specially, it was kind of cool to to teach people about the science of beer, what makes a craft beer. And I would say, you know, this is the yeast. This is the uh, this is essentially the, the sediment uh, of what, what gets left over in an unfiltered style beer. So I think it's a perfect transition to talk about something we, we left off with in our pilot episode, ingredients. Ingredients to beer is so important. And we start with really, I guess, I guess the, the, there's five. W- great water. Right, great water. Yeah, the the uh, Dehart Dam provides Harrisburg with excellent brewing water. It comes out of the tap right at about seven pH, uh, which makes it a little easier to make a, a beer. Being a lower pH product, it makes it easier. And uh, you know, some some municipalities will you'll see uh, the water come out as high as nine pH, which hmm. makes it a little little harder to make a beer. 
that is, you know, that needs to be around four. We're very lucky to have the water that we have here and that's provided to us uh, in this area. So you start with great water. It's, it's less work. It's a more pure product coming into the brewery. And then with the addition of, of the other ingredients, and, and we talk about the things that are so much impacted by the weather that we experience around the world, the availability of products such as hops, such as grain, and then, of course, different strains of yeast that need to be maintained and different you know, uh, temperatures and uh, culture to continue for consistency. So let's, let's go back. Let's talk about the stuff that, that, that grows in the fields already. How has the sourcing of the grains that you use in producing Appalachian Brewing Company beers over the years, how has that, how has that process changed? It hasn't changed a whole lot, which is great. Many of the uh, maltsters that that are out of Europe, uh, in Germany, and, and all over England, and those types of places, they are still providing great malt to the to the U.S. market, and they're thriving in a lot of cases because of that. A lot more breweries in the United States now, so that are that can take the time and effort to buy a little bit more expensive malt because you know for us it's not about the cheapest malt we can find you know, six-row malt or, uh, or using adjuncts and other things to create sugar for us. But it's more about using quality so that we have a quality-flavored product. That's the most important thing for us. And so buying it from those maltsters, uh, in many cases direct, but also uh, we buy it from wholesalers that rep malting companies. And uh, we're getting bag after bag of great, great malt. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome to use. And quality and the consistency uh, have also been great uh, over the years as well. Okay. So that's something that you brought up. You mentioned the word sugar. Okay. So we're getting back to that idea that creating a beer takes a recipe, and every beer has a different recipe. In order to achieve alcohol in a beer, which is what's going to end up making it making it beer, is you've got to have yeast interact with sugar, and the result is alcohol. That's so right. different sugars, different yeasts, they combine Let's talk about staying with the grain portion of it, but the different types of grain. Like uh, I hear about a wheat beer. You know, you get a uh, a rye beer. Uh, other beers are brewed. You know, the ones we see on the big commercials with rice and and other you know cheaper ingredients like corn and things like that. That can, things that sugar can be derived from is what we start with beer. Uh, wheat beers are sort of um, obvious. But, but where else do we go with, uh, you know, like a Hoppy Trails IPA? What, what's, what's the base? Most all the beers are two-row malt-based, okay? okay? Rows of grain growing up the stalk, right? They're stripped from the stalk, and every grain that we use uh, in certain situations uh, goes to a malting house where they germinate the malt slightly, which creates a little tiny packet starch in the middle of that that grain. And that starch then allows the brewer to convert that starch into sugar. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, back in high school or in college, Mike, but the uh, starch is a long chain of sugars. We're going to go in and break that up, and that gives us that sugar that we need for fermentation. So it's all sort of a big recipe, and it's complex, because I, when I think of what the recipe is for a wheat beer, I think, oh, you know, you go and grab a bale of you know, wheat out of the field and you just do it, but it, it seems like it's more complex than that. So everything is either malted or unmalted, right? And th- Yeah. 
we can either use malted uh, malted wheat or we can use unmalted wheat in gotcha. the beer. Um, but most in most cases, you're going to use mostly malted because you, you want that sugar from the malting process, right? But uh, we can also use oats, uh, rye, different types of barleys. In cream ales, we're using a little more maybe corn, which we wouldn't necessarily do because it sort of has a bad little bit of a bad rep to it because people talk about corn and adjuncts being used in in major manufacturing beers right mm-hmm. so sometimes we would always sort of shy away from them but now with with some of the new lagers that are coming out and some of the different things the cream ales and those types of things we're we're using those types of grains and you know what it's it's great yeah using the right way uh, capitalize on the different flavors that those type of grains can produce and it makes a lot of sense all right some different beers that are uh you know, you coming out these days are using a variety of yeasts. You hear the weird story about the guy who found, you know, some gross strand of yeast in his beard or something, and he created, a, you know, used it to uh, to bring the sugars out in, in the recipe of, of the beer. But, I mean, so let's talk about yeast, because yeast is a biggie. Yeast is a living organism that is uh, our best friend, because yeast produces alcohol, and we like to have a little bit of alcohol in our beer. You bet. And in most cases, you know, yeast was always a a regional cells that that traveled through the air and they would inoculate the beers. Uh, That's why in many cases, the brewers would would put the beer up into um, called cool ships or cooling areas. They'd cool it down and it would always be in the top of the rafters because that's where the, the, the night winds would come through and they would inoculate the beer and that's what, that would start the, the process of, um, of the fermentation. And then once they uh, got the fermentation, they got the beer cooled down enough and it was inoculated, then it would start the fermentation either in the open fermenter or, or the closed fermenter, depending on, you know, what the brewery had there. But the amazing thing is, is because of certain labs in the United States, we're able to buy yeast that could come from Munich, Germany, or it could come from outside of Munich, Germany. We can buy a yeast that is uh, is a true London pride type yeast. Uh, we can buy all sorts of different yeasts because these yeast house have actually been able to take these down to a certain, a single cell, and then they can now uh, propagate it and bring it up to a, a large enough amount for us to bring into the brewery and, and use. Uh, some breweries use the lab. Some, some breweries keep their own cultures, uh, which is, you know, it's a, great, it's a great thing if you can do it because then you always have those different yeasts available. But if not, you know, we can uh, really rely upon these, these great labs that, that uh, can send us a sample culture to get started, and then we can bring it up and, and produce it from there. And then in some cases, you, you can keep that batch of yeast alive for a while and brew multiple batches you know, with, with it, right? So it's not just a one and done. It's you keep it, brew some beer with it, keep some, feed it, and it'll grow, and then you use it again, right? That's right. It's a living organism in our brewery. As long as you take care of it, you feed it when it when it's working right and it's producing alcohol for you, and then when it when it goes dormant, keep it cold. You keep it dormant, and but you don't want it to be there too long. So you want to use it pretty quickly. But then what you take is the the yeast off of a batch, and we're going to pitch that or add it to three subsequent batches, and then that would be called a generation of yeast, right? Of that generation of yeast, we're going to pick the best one out of that generation and pitch that into three beers, let's say, 
and that becomes a, the second generation of that yeast. So it's ongoing process. And, you know, we try to work um, anywhere between 10 and 15 generations, and then we sort of back up and start over. It's just so, so much, so much to take in. It really it's is. not as we, uh, there's so many people that for so many years just uh, got off on a Friday night and uh, drove to the local beer distributor, picked up a briefcase of some cans of something and, you know, drank, put it in the fridge and, that, and never thought about it again. And then the craft beer industry hit, and all of a sudden we're thinking about what's in our beer, and it's just so great. Yeah, it really is. Ever since we started, Mike, we have been in the education business. A lot of people say, what are you in? You're in the restaurant business? You're in the brewery business? What are you in? And I always said, we're in the education business. You know, we're teaching people of, of what beer is. It's not what you would see on the commercial on TV. It's something much more than that. It, it's real. It, it has a life to it. It pretty much creates itself. All we're doing is giving it the right atmosphere to do so. So, you know, that's the, the joy that I've always gotten out of beer is I just see it as so amazing of a process. It's very simple, but to do it well, it takes a lot of, a lot of really important steps, and you've got to stick to those steps and, and uh, make sure that you're following through with every little detail. All right. Talk so much about the beer and the brew pubs and the food. But there is another ABC Appalachian Brewing Company brand that is uh, maybe even more wider, widely distributed than, than the beer these days, already, And that's, that's Appalachian Brewing Company Craft Soda. And uh, you can literally find it up and down the, you know, the East Coast and find it in so many different stores and, and boutiques. The, the brands, the, the root beer, the diet root beer, the white birch beer, the ginger beer, all of them, all of them just great craft natural sodas. And the facility in which they're bottled and brewed is over uh, on the west shore of Harrisburg, Mechanicsburg. And that is where you guys offer a pretty cool experience for people who are huge fans of Appalachian Craft Soda. You bet, Mike. You know, you can uh, come in and do our Soda Works factory tour. We, we call it the Make Your Own Soda Tour. And you come in, you get, you get, a, you get a, a tour, you, we show you around, we show you the whole process, we teach you about how we produce a soda, and you actually get to create your own soda. You can pick from all these different flavors that we have. You get the water, you get the syrup, and you blend everything together and you carbonate it and, and we give you a, you a couple bottles, you know, one to, to maybe have a little bit there and then some to take home with you. So it's a pretty cool process and you can join us Saturday and Sunday afternoons, one o'clock and three o'clock. But if you have a, a group or something like that, you're welcome to uh, give us a ring and we'll set up a private tour for you. We've got a great team there that works on this and, um, you know, it, it's just a great little process. Saturdays, one o'clock. At ABC Mechanicsburg, it is the Make Your Own Soda, Appalachian Soda Works Factory Tour. Learn the history, tour the plant, private groups by request, as already said. All right, Artie, so we talked about the grain and the yeast, but now, well, for many people, the star of the show, I'd say the fresh ingredient, uh, as far as uh, a lot of people are concerned, that 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 sharp, that really flavorful uh, profile that everybody loves in an IPA is... The hops, the hops, the hops, the star of the show in the IPA, but also so vital in the beer making process. So let's start with it. What is hops? Where does it come from? Where do we source it here at Appalachian? Well, you know, hops are, uh, they grow on a vine. They're part of the, the cannabis family. Unlike cannabis, which grows on a tree, they grow on a vine, usually about 16 feet up. And if you ever see a hop farm, you'll see a lot of poles 
with wires strung between the poles and then small ropes hanging down, which the actual hops will climb up the ropes. And then when you cut them down, you cut down the ropes along with the hops. They strip the cones off. So there's these buds, uh, they're cones, and that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for that little cone because that cone has all sorts of good yumminess to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's got bitterness to it, it little, little glands that impart bitterness into beer. It's got uh, flavors and aromas that come out of the hop leaves themselves. So what we are able to do is take those hops. Really, a cool thing that's happened most re- more recently is we're actually now working with a lot of hop farmers. We used to buy almost solely through distribution, wholesalers that would provide hops to us. But we can create relationships with a hop grower in in England. We can create a relationship with a hop grower in Germany, in Oregon, uh, in the United States. And they can actually grow specific hops for us, which is really cool. And now we're buying it on that, that side of the market, which is, which is great as well. So when, when we look at those hops and we add them in, you know, the, the more hops you add, the more bitter the beer's going to be. One thing that's changed more than anything is we used to always look at international bittering units as being a, a representative of how hoppy a beer was, And that's, right? when you look at a label of a beer, there's a couple of things there. There's ABV, mm-hmm. it's alcohol by volume. That's right. And, and then you're also going to get IBUs. So that's international bittering units. And that's measuring the basically the effect or the amount of hops in there. So if it's a higher number, that means it's, it's hoppier, more bitter. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, every every hop has its alpha acid rating. So we look at that rating. We can put it into a formula, and that formula allows us to determine uh, theoretical bitterness of the beer is going to be. What's changed so much is we used to try to get 80 IBUs, 90 IBUs, 100 <laughs> IBUs, and we just we were making them hoppier, hoppier, hoppier. But what's happened more recently is everybody's adding the hops at the very end. So the only way that you get bitterness out of hops is to boil it. That bitterness comes out uh, through the boil. But now there's so many aromatic hop varieties that are being produced that if we add them in the very end, they don't give you a lot of bitterness, but they sure give you some really cool uh, citrus and different spicy and all sorts of different type of flavors that we can now add into beers. And these IPAs that you see now, each one of them has a very distinct, not only bitterness to it, because you still have some bittering hops in there, but but more so. there Now it's on the much lower level, but all the hop is in, in the aroma and flavor now. So the name India Pale Ale, it comes from, I, my history is not that great already, but it came from somebody taking a big long trip across the ocean from India or something. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Uh, I, think it was, I think it was military guys or, or something. I, again, people, you can kill me on this if you want to. Just email Artie and say, but this, the, this, the long story short is hops became an agent for preserving the beer as they made this long journey across the ocean. So when they got there, they still had something they could drink. And the, the idea was we we're going to load it up with these hops and then when it got over to the land where they needed to be in, in, in whatever uh, country they were invading or whatever. I mean, again, I'm, this is great history. And this, this is not the education portion. This is just that. Are but, you a historian, yeah. Mike? Like anyway, what they ended up with was the original, you know, the original form of a hoppy beer. And so, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, centuries, I guess, uh, this, this became perfected. And what we have now is, you know, three, four, five you know, IPAs on tap where the hop is the star. It's 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 hop forward in the flavor profile, and you can choose from a number of IPAs. I actually have people come over to the house for parties already sometimes, and they'll be like, 
uh, you know, like, I'm like, what, what do you want? What do you want to drink? I'm like, I have, uh, you know, some some domestic uh, light beer or something for. Or they go, what? Do you, you got any regular beer? Or you got one of the IPAs? They'll say, you know, and, and, and they, but they don't understand what an IPA is based on. They don't understand the difference between an IPA and a craft beer because they're maybe new to the scene. And everywhere they go, there's just it's like a whole menu of IPAs. So they think everything's an IPA. Yeah, but, it's almost synonymous now. You, you yeah. know, some people look at it and go, Hey, is that one of those IPA beers? Right. Or, you know what is that? So, you know, understanding the, the different uh, styles of beer is another thing that we've always educated people on. And when we go back to, to the hops, Mike, we always look at, you know, malt is very sweet. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. The malt is sweet. So the hops are bitter, right? And that hop and malt blend together to create a balance. And that's really, when you look at, the, at craft, good craft beer, you always want to look at the balance portion of that beer and, and say, is this beer balanced? Is it, is it overly bitter, but there's not enough little bit, maybe not enough sweetness to balance it out? Or sometimes is it overly sweet without, you know, even with a beer that's pretty sweet, you still need something to dry that sweetness up in the end a little bit, you know? Right. Otherwise, it just is cloying and it's, it lays on your tongue and it's just sweet. No, we don't want that. And, and, you know, so that's what we look to do is we always look to keep the beer as balanced as possible. And we make small changes throughout the process in order to try to keep it right on track. And I think hops are so interesting. As you mentioned, you see them growing locally now. People may not have the vast, uh, you know, plantation or meadow space that they would have over in Germany or places where they've been growing them and making, you know, a, a living off of for for, you know, hundreds of years. However, if someone's got 10 acres, 20 acres, and they can dedicate some of that space to a crop, hops wasn't really an option, you know, 10 years ago. But it's it's an option now because they know at least once a year when they harvest that, that, that hop product that they're going to be able to sell it fresh to somebody at a brewery. And, and no different, ABC has local relationships as w- along with those, you know, international relationships or the ones out on the West Coast here of the U.S. Let's talk about that. So you've, you've, you've met up with some local hop farmers and the process of those hops being delivered same day, you know, in most, mm-hmm. most cases to the brewery. It's kind of exciting to put that fresh product right into the beer. Yeah, actually, our fresh hop pale ale, we, we, we make a pale ale with that, um, is, a, is a great beer. You know, those, the hops, when they come out of the field, have a much different feel and flavor to them than they would have if they're dried and, and uh, some of the moisture is taken out of them. So we try to use that, those fresh hops right out of the field. Uh, they're a little more expensive because they're much heavier, right? They, they still have the water in them, and you still pay by the pound. But that's okay because we're supporting those local farmers uh, that are, are, you know, these guys work their tails off. Mm-hmm. It is not an easy product to, uh, to grow. It's not an easy product to keep uh, away from uh, different molds and fungus and pests. Um, and it's not an easy, and it's an even harder product to uh, package and process. You know, you really need to have the right machine to pull all the uh, vines down. You need a machine to pull cones off. You need a machine to dry them, grind them up, pelletize them, yep. so that a regular brewery could use that. We always take that for granted because we we call and order boxes of hops and they come pelletized, and uh, we're right. we're tossing into beer and you don't think about all the process that happens prior to that, the horticulture that goes into it and everything else. But you know, it's it's we're so lucky to have the types of products that we have and the availability now in, in the marketplace. We can get anything we want just about at any time to make a great beer. I like that you mentioned that because part of the brewery atmosphere of brewing a lot of beer 
and having to keep those recipes consistent is about how do I measure this product? If, I, if you used fresh hops all the time with the water still in them right off the vine, and they, and they were so, first of all, it would be cost prohibitive because it would be so expensive. You could only brew beer uh, about one month out of the year <laughs> when they're actually harvested. That's right. So you've got to get them. They've got to be processed and processed in a way, though, that is, that, that is still natural. So there's a couple of ways that hops arrive at a brewery. Number one, we, we, cover, we talked about that seasonal special opportunity that you might get with the fresh hops where they're still fresh, just like you'd pick them from a garden, a strawberry from your own garden, and bring it into the house. It's, you know, it's, it's juicy and, and everything and voluptuous and great. And it sits there on the windowsill for a day or two before it starts drying out. But then you've also got a dried whole leaf version, right? Or maybe like a press it to save some space, but then it's dried. But then more commonly, what I would look at as almost looks like pet food. Okay, the same way that you would buy a bag of like uh, not not dog food or cat food, but but like if you ever had a gerbil and it comes in those little pellets and they look like or another thing is if you've got a wood stove at home, a wood pellet, a pellet burning stove. Same same process. Exactly. They look like a wood pellet, except it's green and it's softer. It's softer and it and it comes in. That's how they dry this mass quantity of hops. They, they crush them and grind them down into a, you know, almost like a powder, keeping some of that, that structure of, of the actual plant. But then it, then it gets pressed into a pellet, and that allows the breweries like yourselves to take a scoop, put it on a scale, and measure it consistently. We need, we need so many pounds of this one. And when you can measure it with that poundage you know, that comes in a, in a pelletized form, it's consistent and keeps the beer tasting good. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, we used to use a lot of whole hops uh, in the past, but more so now pellets. The problem with whole hops is they're very leafy and they'll plug up anything that you put them in. So if you put a, if you throw in a bunch of whole leaf hops and you try to pull it out of a small drain, it'll just plug it up right away. So the, the pelletized hops really help us a lot because they can actually move with the liquid a lot better than the whole hops will. You know, a quick story, and, and we visited a hop farm in Poland, and they had their own manufacturing or processing portion. They told us about, they used to have something called Yellowman. I don't know if you ever heard the story, but the, the, the whole hops, the way they would pack them into burlap bags is, is these guys would actually drop with their feet and push down on the hops. And then they'd, they'd climb back up, they'd throw more in there, and they'd jump back down, and they'd <laughs> stomp them in, and then they'd climb back out and jump back in. Well, because those glands that I talked about earlier in the hops are yellow, they'd come out and they'd be totally yellow because they were jumping in the hops, right? Uh, So it's an interesting story that I heard. You don't hear about it very often, but it's something that I, you know, you go to these these, uh, manufacturing plant tours and you always find something cool that you find out in the history of, of hops. But now it's all processed and pressed, of course, mechanically. But that sure is a lot of fun to hear about how, you know, they, they, they came up with a solution for pressing them into the bales. You know, when you store the bales, you can have a box of pelletized hops, and it's, you know, this smaller box, and it'll fit, uh, you know, on a shelf easily. That same amount of hops, if it was whole hop, would be a bale the size of a, you know, right. similar to it's the size of a small field. hay bale. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, that that also helps us along, too, because it, it keeps it fresher because it's, it's, it's held away from oxygen. You know, the pressed whole hops will have still some oxygen in there. Uh, you can try to get some of it out, but mostly it has it in there. Um, so it oxidizes a little bit. You know, the hops in the middle may be a little bit better because they don't have as much oxygen hitting them. But um, 
you know, with those hops, we're able to store so much more and have a smaller storage area than we would have if we normally had those bales. Interesting. Hops have now appeared in, uh, I bought a bag of pretzels last week. And hops was among the ingredients. They were called like craft beer pretzels. Oh yeah. And there when you I go. when I took the first bite, it was a little dry. It was a little dry. <laughs> was it? Okay. But but it had it it lived up to the billing because it, on the aftertaste, I could taste the hops. And you as could a, taste. And it. as a craft beer drinker, I I appreciated that. All right, so we'll take a quick moment here to uh, dial it back and we'll talk about what's going on. Uh, around the restaurants, the brew pubs of Appalachian Brewing Company. Artie, what's on the menu here as we transition into the hot summer season? You know, one of my favorite new items that we have on the menu is the the brie and prosciutto sandwich. Oh, yeah. uh, I just love it. You know, we put a fig jam on there, and you get it. They uh, toast it up nicely, cut it, and serve it with either fries or, uh, you know, you can get it with fries, uh, sweet potato fries, onion rings or a side salad mm. and uh sure is great i should eat the side salad more often Mike. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as, you can see, as you can see i uh but, I, I prefer the beer and the fries but fig jam was also your nickname in college is that right, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> that's a great ja- great name for a band <laughs> <laughs> that's great so uh we talk about the sandwich we also you know maybe you're just coming in here looking for Sit at one of the beautiful outdoor dining spaces that many of the brew pubs offer. Um, you know, they've got the big deck in Harrisburg. There's the patio in Mechanicsburg. Um, Gettysburg has, has an outdoor seating location. You know, I want to just sit down, uh, have a beer, and maybe munch on a salad. What's, what's something good? You know, I, I always go back to the old nutty fruity salad, you know, with the hoppy poppy dressing. Oh, yeah. Not that we, we don't really rhyme a lot here at the brewery, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the nutty fruity with the hoppy poppy, that's, uh, that's, a, that's one that you can go to every time. And, uh, you know, it's got the walnuts uh, and the craisins on that salad and uh, just... Balsamic. Balsamic, yeah. yeah you can no. do the balsamic on there. Yeah, that's good, mm, speaking too. Speaking my language. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so those are two of the ones that I've uh, been enjoying mostly uh, now that it's getting hotter out. All right. Come in, grab a bite, grab a beer. Grab a craft soda. Harkens back to the, to the local feel. They say it all the time here at ABC. Drink local. Support local. Do that with the ingredients as much as you can. Make the local people happy. Bring them back. Make this their local watering hole. And make it a place that you can check out whenever you're in town. For more information on Appalachian Brewing Company at all times, to send Artie a question we might answer here on the podcast, just go to abcbrew.com. Artie, I think we'll wrap it up. This is officially our first episode because, honestly, the last one was more of a pilot. Yeah, Mike, it's amazing. You know, when I first thought about doing this, I was, like, worried. Oh, gosh, you know, how are we going to come up with 10 minutes worth of of, uh, information? (laughs) But it turned into 30 minutes, and guess what? Here we are, and, God, I'm just having such a blast. So I'm looking forward to uh, when I get to come back and spend some time with you again. All right, Artie, well said. Always something new on tap at Appalachian Brewing Company, whichever location is closest to you. Head in, have fun, make some memories, right? Love to see you. All right. Ferrari, I'm Mike on the podcast of Appalachian Brewing Company. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.